0: It's time to roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty with Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. And, uh, well, it's good morning from us, Dirt Radio. We're Friends of the Earth, and you can check us out on foe.org.au. I'm John Langer, and this is another edition. Just a reminder to let people know that the Radiothon was a couple of weeks ago. And, well, you know what? Uh We're still a little bit short of our destination, our, our target, which is $850. We're nearly there, but I'll tell you what, we still could use a few more pledges. It's not too late. The financial year is not yet over. So please, if you can, get in there, make a pledge. Any amount will do. And also want to thank people very much for... uh Donating, if you have donated, if you've pledged to donate, I want to thank you very much. And uh, we really appreciate it, and so does 3CR. We're very, very dependent on getting, well, I guess getting your donations because we, you know what? If we don't get your donations, we will, we just don't, it just doesn't happen. How much coal mining is enough coal mining? Oh, it's a question I want to ask you. Well, it seems there's never enough. There's even a revolutionary, never before used in Australia technique to help convince the government of New South Wales to let a new coal mine get started. Where? Where, you ask? Well, where else would you dig a coal mine? In the southern highlands of New South Wales, right smack in the middle of the water catchment area used by Sydney. How amazing! Charmaine Roth is a campaign coordinator for Lock the Gate Alliance in the Southern Highlands, and she's with Dirt Radio to explain what's been going on. Good morning, Charmaine.
1: Good morning.
0: And uh well, how are you this morning? I hear you're cold.
1: Uh, it was minus one this morning, and um, you know, so sort of being a little bit new to the area, it was like woohoo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ooh, my knees are a bit cold. Now, we've never met, and I wanted to introduce you on Dirt Radio. So I asked you to provide us with a, f- a couple of lines of your bio, a bit of your bio. You wrote to me, and you said you were living in the Northern Territory. You were doing some full-time environment campaigning against damaging shale, the shale gas industry there, and you needed a break, so you decided to move down to the southern highlands of New South Wales which you thought was going to be a quiet, relatively out-of-the-way place for some R&R. Then you wrote, and this is what you wrote to me, it was a kind of, kind of a case of out-of-the-pan in, into the fire. Tell me about that.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, so what we moved down here, you know, it's a lovely, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the Southern Highlands, but it's a really, uh, you know, beautiful area. Uh, some really amazing sacred places, really, they should be, and um I you know started seeing all of these you no know, coal mine posters around the place, and I was like, "Oh, you know you know like what is this and yeah there's this huge it's going to be it's, it'll be a massive um well massive in in my scale of things, um probably I think it 's about seven kilometers from where I am currently living um you can actually drive across at the moment you know like where the coal mines going to be and it's just this beautiful rolling hills and um, mm. yeah and it was kind of like oh yeah you know and, and it was just kind of a bit of a natural thing for me because I'm very um uh you know like connected to the earth i guess and so i was just like oh you know this can't go you know it just can't go ahead not not here mm. Yeah. So you've
0: you've been involved in the campaign, and as I understand it, the 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 coal mine is called the Hume Mine. Is that right?
1: Ah, uh, yeah. So it's actually Hume uh, Hume coal, and they're a hundred percent owned by the South Korean POSCO uh, company, which do um, they provide coal for steel um, and also thermal coal as well. Um. So, yeah, so this coal will be—it's going to be dug up and sent mm. across to uh, Korea.
0: And processing. also, as I understand it uh, and reading up about it, is there hasn't been any coal mining in that area for a good long time. And one of the big problems at this point is that um, they're going to be digging into an aquifer which provides water for farmers but also for Sydney. Mm-hmm.
1: Um. Yeah, so you know, one of their things is they keep saying, Oh, you know, there's been coal mining, you know, in the Southern Highlands, what are you worried about? But the you know, like the last one that closed down, I think there was twenty eight people working in there, you know, it was fairly small scale. Whereas this one it's um you know, there's it's well they're talking about all of this automated machinery that's gonna be, you know, like so just heavy machinery and and three, I think it's about 320 full-time miners. So you know, like it's a lot bigger, um, a lot bigger scale than what's ever sort of been seen in this little area. Mm-hmm. Before. Um and yeah, it will be under the aquifer. And um, the EIS has identified that within its, um, you know, like its boundary, there's something like 75 properties that are going to be impacted. With water loss, um, there are so the water um, there has been a water study, like an independent water study, done and it's identified that the impact area of you know like the impact on the groundwater is going to be much larger than um, you know like just the mm. actual mine site itself. And um, yeah, and then with the also so you know like the the groundwater is. Providing water for farmers and you know properties, and then there's also the catchment area which goes in for does uh, the backup water for Sydney.
0: Yes, and as well, yeah. And the other you mentioned about jobs, as I understand it, there the usual claims about let's use that phrase from the prime minister, jobs and growth, but that's a bit of a furphy And what uh, what what's your what's the what's your take on that?
1: Um yeah they keep saying, Oh, you know, there'll be three hundred and twenty full-time jobs for local people, but um we've already like there's recently just been a mine closed down down near Wollongong, and you know so there's three hundred and something people there uh, that are going to be looking for work. Uh, We don't know. Tarmor Mine is uh, probably like an hour away, and then if that's closing down or if it's going to be sold, it's kind of up in the air at the moment, but that's like another 300 and something jobs there. Um, You know, we've got all of these mines that are closing down around, you know, like New South Wales. It's pretty, um, you know, like when you look into it, it's pretty Mm -hmm. crazy how many people within the mines are actually losing, you know, their jobs at the moment. And it's those people that are going to be, you know, like it'll be a natural progression for them just to, you know, like leave one mine and, mm. you know, like come mm. to this one. Hugh Cole's already, you know, said that, yeah, yeah, you know, that's what miners do. They just sort of go with the flow. And it's only, you know, like it's, 20 years estimate, you know, like that they'll be Mm. running for. So really in the broad scheme of things, it's a very short-term, you know, short-term project. There's, you know, 20 years worth of jobs at, at, you know, like at what risk?
0: Sure. um, Absolutely. And I, it's a very interesting point that you're making is, is is the claim about jobs is they're actually not creating new jobs, it's simply making jobs for people who are getting redundant somewhere else.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if we lose the tourism here or the farming, you know, if farming's impacted from a loss of groundwater, you know, that's jobs that will be lost in those sectors. So, you know, like really, you're not creating, there's no new mm-hmm. jobs. It's you know, like there's um, you know risk to existing existing jobs, and um, yeah, and um, just this transition from one area to the other with the miners. And the
0: other thing that I've I've uh, read about is that um, the royalties that are being claimed—that is, the what the government fund money that's going to come from this mine—is is actually way less than it's than it's expected, um, and that's been really inflated. And uh, the coal itself is, is apparently been reassessed. It's not as high quality as was originally in, uh, ex- expected.
1: Yeah, so um, originally they were saying it was going to be this really high quality, uh, you know, like metallurgic coal. And now it's almost 50 50 thermal coking. So, uh, you know, like the saying, oh, you know, it'll be, you know, all for steel, you know, steel manufacturing, we need steel for cars. And it's like, yeah, oh, hang on, half of it's going to be, you know, burnt for power, which is, you know, um mm. not you know, the best for climate. <laughs>
0: yeah, Exactly.
1: <laughs> or, you know, um pollution or, you know, it's um mm-hmm. and yeah, and it's not um and you know, like the mines that have been existing here you know, in the past, it you know like they, it wasn't great. Um, you know, it wasn't great cold then. You know, like they've all kind mm-hmm. of admitted, like, oh no, it wasn't that good. So,
0: um, now I want to ask yeah. you some. I want to ask you something else because uh, we, we, uh, there is uh, a very very narrow window of opportunity for people to make submissions. Is that right? At this point, apparently, as I understand it, the submissions are still. You can still make a submission up till June the thirtieth the community's been uh, up there has been very active tell us a little bit about that
1: yep so there is this is the final week um that you can make submissions against the so the EIS has been on public display uh it started off it was going to be 30 days but because it was um, the the EIS is something like 10,000 pages long you know it's this meter high stack of paper that people are supposed to read through and most mm. of it doesn't really Say anything, um, you know. There's a couple of important bits there, but so the the planning department they extended the public consult- public consultation period. So um, they gave it like 90 days for people to respond. Uh, this, this is the final week. Um, we just there's something like 10,000 submissions have been made. Um,
0: wow! Wow! No kidding at the moment
1: um, pr- well pr- there would be more than that i haven't been on to have a you know like a good count of um, at what's and that's just from the the battle for barramat guys um has been sort of you know like collecting um,
0: and you've got a we- you've a got sorry just because we're down in melbourne here but you've got a website that we can go to to get some advice about how to make a submission is that right
1: yeah yeah um you can actually do a submission through the Lock the Gate website, which is lockgate.au. um If you can slash campaigns, that'll kind of take you straight into okay. everything that's working at the moment. Um, and you can go on there. It's really, you know, like quick and easy. Yep. If you don't want to, um, you know, add anything or change anything it takes less than a minute, Oh, okay. Do. All right. Uh, you know, like, it's a pretty simple process. So the, um, this is
0: through Lock the Gate, the the Lock, yeah. lock the Gate website? Yeah. Give us the so details.
1: Lock so, yeah, lockthegate.org.au mm-hmm. uh, slash, forward slash campaigns.
0: Okay. Well, look, that's, that's great. I think we'll have to leave it there, Charmaine, but I want to appreciate, I want to say that we appreciate your time and also we're really hoping your campaign to stop this mine actually happens because uh, (laughs) wow it sounds like so it sounds like a disaster and maybe when the weather gets a bit warmer there'll be some positive results
1: yeah no that would be nice because this is the this is definitely a mine that does not make good doesn't make good sense at all not environmentally not uh economically
0: thanks so Um, much for being on dirt radio charmaine thank you And we're talking there with Charmaine Roth. She's a campaign coordinator for Lock the Gate Alliance in the Southern Highlands. And she's been working, as you heard there, to keep the coal mine out of agricultural and tourism land in the Southern Highlands of New South Wales. Yarra City Council presents Leaps and Bounds Music Festival 2017 from the 13th to the 23rd of July. Celebrating 40 years since Melbourne's first punk gig, Bakehouse hosts Why Punk? Discussing its existence. Catch the all-ages shows featuring Philly and Boessa at the turn-up or Ms Risk for Grooves in the High Tea. Head to Bar Open for a show every night of the festival or catch the smooth grooves of the Meltdown. For participating venues and tickets, visit leapsandboundsmusicfestival.com. 3CR supporter.
2: Wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au. Or call us with your credit card details on 9419 You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to PO Box 1277 Collingwood 3066 and be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. <laughs>
0: End of the financial year, it's a good time to talk about tax. And there's lots of ta- tax talk these days, but not what you'd be expecting. There's no talk talk about rolling back capital gains tax, for example, or getting some of that tax revenue from global corporations like the American Express, who haven't paid any taxes, as it turns out, in Australia for nine years no, the tax talks these days is coming from conservative politicians, helped along by the Institute of Public Affairs and the Coal Lobby. And the talk is about stripping environmental groups like Friends of the Earth and lots of others of what's called their deductible gift recipient status. Cam Walker is the campaign's coordinator for Friends of the Earth here in Melbourne, and he's with us on dirt radio to explain what's at stake. Good morning, Cam. Good morning, John. You'd better start by just explaining what deductible gift recipient status is and why it's important.
2: Yep. So it's the status that's uh, provided by the Australian Tax Office, the ATO, to environmental organisations that are registered as charities, and it allows us to issue a tax deductible receipt to an individual or to a philanthropic body that gives us a donation and uh, there's many, many thousands of, of organisations. I, I did read somewhere, I think there might be something like 28,000 organisations around the country that um, have this type of status. So it's, it's very broad-based and there are four types um, of organisation that have DGR and we're on what's called the Register of Environmental Organisations. So there's social welfare, there's there's a whole range of different entities that have it and in particular um, we're listed on the what's called the REO.
0: Mm. Now, the attacks on the environment and climate movements go back a long way, but more recently, and I just wanted to pull us to a little bit more recent times, there was a House of Representatives inquiry into the tax status of green groups, which happened in 2015 and was reported, I think, a little bit later. Briefly, tell us about that inquiry and why its findings were important.
2: Yes, so it was a product of the the, uh, Tony Abbott era, when the extreme anti-green ideologues were really fully in control. I think what we're seeing now with Malcolm Turnbull being uh, the Prime Minister is there's this ongoing tension, we've seen it this week over the conversation around same-sex marriage, there's a constant tension between the moderates and the extremists. But at that point, the extremists fully had control. And the government agreed to set up a House of Representatives inquiry. It was dominated by coalition politicians, um, and it was to look into the tax status of green organisations. And surprise, surprise, at the end, uh, the majority report, which obviously didn't include the ALP members, basically said, oh, well, we think that there's very good grounds that a lot of these groups should lose their tax status. It wasn't a surprise because... Um, Right at the start of the process, uh, George Christensen, who's a very well-known right-wing mm. anti-green politician from Northern Queensland, basically said, "Oh, well, I think how this is going to go." So this was at the start of the public hearing process. It was really inappropriate that he said, oh, "I know this is going to end up with uh, some groups losing their tax uh, status." So it was like a, you know, a jury that had made up its mo- made up its mind mm. even mm. before the trial started, and it released uh, the final majority report plus a couple of dissenting reports. Um, Uh, in 2016 and then we had the election and so the responsible minister who at that point was Greg Hunt basically didn't get around to responding to the inquiry but um, you know those recommendations have been sitting there awaiting a response from
0: the government. Now in May this year and this is where where things start to get stirred up a bit uh, the ultra-conservative Senator Erica Betts started stirring the pot again now, let me ask this. What manner of stirring was this?
2: Well, often politicians stir the pot in estimates. So, uh, you know, after the budget is delivered, um, all the pollies get a chance to grill the government of the day, and so lots of questions come up. And this was a really bizarre one. Uh, Erica Abetz, who, you know, long is on the record as being opposed to the environment movement, you know, that's very well documented for very many years, he basically misunderstood how Friends of the Earth um, works And he, he, he thought that one of our member groups was not associated with us. And so he basically accused of, us of uh, running what he called a scam against the taxpayer mm. um, and were involved in money laundering. Now, we were pretty uh, upset and angry when we heard this because it was just so, you know, factually incorrect. And, you know, a politician, when they're sitting in Senate estimates, they're afforded parliamentary privilege, which means we can't, you know, take them to court for Mm. potential libel. So often... Politicians will say things knowing that they're quite safe and they can't really be challenged. Uh, we've written to him. We've asked him to withdraw his claims. We've pointed out the reasons why he was actually factually incorrect, and of course, he hasn't even had you know the decency to return uh, our correspondence. So uh, that was disappointing. It's just one of those things that you know it simply wasn't true. He was referring to our relationship with one of our projects, which is called Market Forces. Um, you know, it was factually incorrect, but it's just annoying that we have to spend mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. dealing with these type of really, you know, unfounded attacks by conservative politicians.
0: And in June this year, it was announced that the Federal Treasury was starting to conduct a review on potential reforms for the deductible gift recipient tax arrangements. On face value, this sounds fairly benign, but you, you're you very suspicious about this.
2: Yes, because um, they've kind of put things together. One is a a review of how charities are managed and that's fair enough you know there's a lot of double up in the system there's a lot of inconsistencies because there are those four registers that I mentioned so as an environmental group we're on one register but you know we slightly report differently to a group that's on another register. So fine-tuning and avoiding double ups of reporting and all that type of stuff that makes sense. So it, it does appear benign but kind of tucked into the detail are a number of the recommendations that were in the majority report from the House of Representatives inquiry that was never kind of responded to. Um, It's interesting that this is now in a Treasury, uh, Federal Treasury document. Um, So the person who is now responsible for uh, responding to it is the Treasurer um, or the Deputy Treasurer rather than the Environment Minister. Now, this was always a point of tension with Greg Hunt. Why would he... Have the House of Reps inquiry when it was so overtly political and hostile to the green movement. So this kind of lets the current minister Josh Frydenberg off the hook. Whereby if it does proceed and if the findings are that our green groups should be sanctioned, i.e. lose their tax status if they're engaged in activity we don't like. It's not the minister that's done it. It's been the treasurer. So it's very interesting optics about how this has been packaged up. It's something that kind of ostensibly looks fairly benign, and yet it still has the same old, quite Mm. extremist political agenda right
0: at the core of it. Now, just finally, uh, there is a lot at stake, and you're suggesting, Friends of the Earth is suggesting, that we put in some submissions. How do we go about doing that? Because July the 14th is the deadline.
2: Yes. So if you go to the Frenzy Earth Australia website, foe.org.au, on the front page you'll see a backgrounder there. Uh, we will have a, a draft submission that people might like to modify or use as the basis of theirs um, uh, if they could send them in in the next two weeks. Uh, during the House of Representatives inquiry, there were literally thousands of submissions from individuals and organisations that were put in, and it had a really huge impact because it resoundingly showed, I think the figures were more than 96% percent of the submissions that uh, arrived were in support of the status quo and the environment movement so it has a huge difference because it tells the politicians that are assessing this that they're actually running a political uh, political agenda that people don't support so if you could write even a half page letter around the key questions that we mention on our website that would be really fantastic if you're a member of any kind of organization that might also add its own submission that would also be very very helpful
0: Look, it's uh, really important. I, I very interesting listening to you, Cam, and also uh, I found it very useful for the, the summary that you provided on the Friends of the Earth website was very useful in getting the background to this whole thing. And obviously, there there are a lot of other factors that we could have talked about, but I think you've covered it extremely well. And uh, thanks very much for your time today. Thanks, John. Talking there with Cam Walker, campaigns coordinator for Friends of the Earth. Melbourne. And as he was saying, there is an inquiry right now going on. They're taking submissions in Treasury and they're going to be investigating what's called the deductible gift recipient status of environment groups, not just Friends of the Earth, but lots and lots of environment groups. Um, Basically, what that means is the tax deductible status that environment groups have at the moment may be stripped away, so it's really important to get a submission, something in if you can. We're Dirt Radio, and uh, we're just about out of time, I've got to say. We'll be here next Monday, or not Monday, whoops, Monday used to be where we used to be. It's Tuesday, 9.30 to 10, our new time slot. And once again, thanks so much for people pledging donations or donating. Still time to do it, please. If you've got a little bit of spare change, Dirt Radio, that's where it needs to go.